Hello everyone, today I had a chance to speak with Holly Chung. She grew up in Queens, New York and graduated from Stony Brook University as a civil engineer. Instead of going to the engineering industry, she decided to take a different route and serve in the U.S. Air Force while utilizing her background and her experience. She shared with us her interesting journey in the military and offered a different outlook on untraditional career paths. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Hi, thanks for doing this. Of course. Don't worry, it's not that formal. Okay. <laughs> so, so how's everything? How are you handling COVID? Where are you right now? Uh, right now, I am in Goldsboro, North Carolina. Um, COVID kind of affected us, probably not as fast as New York, where I'm originally from. Recently, they just mandated wearing face masks. And people still aren't really following that rule. This past weekend, people were still at the beaches and everything. Mm. Is it called military? Is that the same thing? Military. Yeah, I mean, where you're in right now, is that called the, the Navy, military? What do um, I call it? Military installation. Military installation, okay. So the rules, is they're supposed to mimic the city. So if the city says mandate mask, then we have to wear masks. But now everyone has to wear a mask on base. Yeah. And then is there like a lot of military training, like the physical training day to day? They're still training. With the mask on? Yep, they're still training with the mask on. Now, we didn't get days off either. We still went to work. We came wow. from home. <laughs> and then there's no more like big gatherings or groups. So there was a lot of that beforehand? Yeah, because like we always have um, the commanders will have these like all calls. Like hundreds of people come in and make like big announcements. Like big news. Like hall council. Yep. And now everything through Facebook Live. Yeah. Very cool. I know you obviously have a very impressive resume. A little different from... All our friends or most of our friends mm-hmm. so i want to start from the beginning curious to see what where you were like growing up what was your family like what values did they instill in you growing up um so both of my parents are immigrants my dad immigrated from malaysia and my mom from hong kong and then they met in new york growing up my brother and i like very very loving family i would say that my mom was a tiger mom because she would have us do the go to school library after school or prep work violin lessons mm. so everything was very like set for us to succeed especially with like prep academy that was like every every saturday until shsats and then sats growing up there's a lot of pressure to succeed in school make sure we go to college because then we'd be the first kids to go to college our other cousins they slowly immigrated to new york uh yeah to new york as well but my brother and i were the oldest so there was a lot more pressure there and then my brother was kind of the the golden son, because he was the only boy. He was always, you know, kind of up there going to the specialized high schools, Ivy League. Oh, okay. And then for me, that was kind of like the same standards that was set for me. So to Brooklyn Tech High School, um, and then in that school, they have architecture engineering, which is what I did. And that's kind of how it all started with deciding what I wanted to do in the future, which was engineering. Um, my dad was a construction labor worker, so around the house he would always be, I guess, like, uh, what is it, uh, fixing fixing up? The handyman, yeah. Yeah, um, handyman, flipping the, the house, and whenever I saw that, that was so cool, because like, oh, like, it looks so bad, and now it looks so nice, and my dad was perfectionist, so I wanted, and he didn't let me touch any of the tools, so that's what I wanted to do in the future, was to build my parents their own house, where they could retire, yeah, so that was the goal. 
since you brought the house, was it you or someone else that mentioned um there was some housing situation going with the family? Was that you mm. or something? That yeah, was you? Okay. That was me. Yeah. Ah, that was like a few years ago. So was did that was that resolved? Um yeah, so basically my family um bought the house with my godmother. So it was under my mom, my godmother's name. And then when my godmother passed away, her family sued us for the house. And then because my parents were immigrants, there was they, you know, they're like naive and they trusted people and they even though they paid two thirds of the mortgage in cash, it, it wasn't recorded. Yeah. So so we lost the house. Oh wow. But I, I took a mortgage out with my first paycheck and I bought them a new house. That's fixing up again, which is good because now he has something to do with both kids out. So it's kind of like things happen for a reason and you find a positive out of it. Because like if we never left that house, I would have never like learned to drive, driven to Stony. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So where was that house and where's the new house you bought them? Now they're both in the same place, Middle Village. They're like two streets away from each other. Oh, wow. It's really like the neighborhood. And house, the houses there are really expensive. So my dad would, um, he would walk because he runs every morning. So he would also walk around the neighborhood seeing like if any houses were on sale. And he finally like found one. He's like, oh my God, it's a good deal. So. What year was this? 2018. Okay. Wow. That's, that's when it really picked up. Mm-hmm. So after I graduated on my birthday. Wow. Well, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was quite a journey. Yeah, that whole area is interesting. It's like you have the the hipster Ridgewood, and it's almost <laughs> like right next to it, but not really, because you have the old traditional mm-hmm. families there too. So it's like a mix of everything. Growing up, there were a lot of Italians, and then slowly the Asian community just started buying really? a lot. Okay. Yeah, and then when we were doing the sales, it was all like um, Asian families buying other ethnicities interesting yeah i was like oh that's so weird because i remember taking the m train and then i see like all these asians get on and also when i drive i, I pass mass path and i see all these asian yep. construction yeah, so stores or whatever i'm like wow it's like it's like a hid- little hidden asian mm-hmm. community but not really but almost there because it used to be elmer's and then they like split it ah okay <laughs> wow very cool but that's that's a tough one to swallow but then it's, it's cool to be able to just move on and make the most out of it. Mm-hmm. Any plans to get back at them or this is it, you're, you're over with, with it? Um, it was really hard because it was a two-year lawsuit. It's, it's hard to see my parents because Asian families, very, they have a lot of pride in owning a house. And I pay two-thirds of that mortgage. And my mom, you know, works very minimum, less than minimum wage. And my dad had to retire early because he was a construction worker. So it takes a toll on your body. So it was very hard to see them fight for something that they earned with their hard work. Growing up, my brother and I never, ever had any, um, we never thought that we were poor or anything. Like that's how well my parents were. Like they managed everything very well. They were frugal, but they like made sure that we had like the best prep academy or like music so it was very very amazing seeing how they were able to do that so that's why it was even more painful seeing them fight for the house and then lose it eventually oh man <laughs> yeah that's the thing with um buying something with family too it's bound to happen yeah 
can't trust everyone. <laughs> it's like a weird situation. It's not even the godmother, right? It's their kids, mm-hmm. so it's a little out of control. Yeah. Well, either way, I'm sure you guys are on the right path, so it gets better from here. <laughs> <laughs> you and your brother both went to Brooklyn Tech. No, he went to Stuyvesant. Oh. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> and, and how many years older is he? Two years older. Uh, wow, so he's a boy and he went to Stuyvesant. That's yes. a tough one to, to match up with. Oh, it gets even more. <laughs> <laughs> he eventually went into the Navy too, right? The Air Force, yep. Air Force, okay. After Brooklyn Tech, you got into Stony. So I assume you knew a lot of people from Tech that also ended up in Stony. What was that like? Um, did you like Stony? What was your experience overall? Um, so it was kind of... Coming from Brooklyn Tech, everyone was saying that, oh, Stony is like the safety school, you know, the school that everyone goes to. And it's just like another Brooklyn Tech. And that's how it was the first semester because my whole squad was just the girls from uh, Brooklyn Tech, which is kind of fun because you kind of share that freshman experience with them. Um, it wasn't my first choice. It was my, my safety. <laughs> so I wasn't exactly too happy going there, but now, like looking back on those four years, like it was, it was a great education. Like I met, like I got to do a lot of things, met a lot of people. One of the big things was all those extracurricular activities. I also worked at Innovation Lab, and I thought that was really cool. I don't know if other universities had that, but it was just kind of like a nice creative space to do like 3D printing or like just random stuff. So that was pretty cool, and I got to do that in my last two years. And then yeah, I think Stony was a great experience. It was not too far from home, but not close enough. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's everybody's reason everybody from queens and brooklyn <laughs> yes railroad right away and yes. still you have to dorm there <laughs> yes i every single school i applied for was architecture and stony was the only one for civil engineering because they didn't have architecture so that's kind of how i got in civil engineering <laughs> do you regret doing civil engineering or would you wish you had done architecture no no regrets i like civil yeah and then obviously i met you through, I don't know, before the fraternity or after the fraternity, or during the fraternity, you were with your group of friends from tech. So was that your chance to step out, meet new people? What was the reason for that? That was definitely a chance to step out because with that group of friends, they were more going towards the social organizations. And I wanted something more professional to help build my career and whatever could help me develop myself professionally. And then when I met like a lot of the brothers, I felt that I was able to connect with them a lot. And I think a large part of that also comes from the fact that I have an older brother as well. So I had all these people to look up to and, you know, it's like they always had the answers to my questions. So it was very comforting and it felt like this was some, this was an organization I could belong to. Bunch of smart asses. They know everything. Exactly. <laughs> but you can still bully them. <laughs> <laughs> you can. <laughs> I guess going in, study civil engineering, did you, was your intention to just graduate and get a good job straight out of college? That was just to graduate, get a good job in New York City and be stable. I see. So the time you joined, what the heck, why do I keep saying Navy? Um, uh, Air Force. Okay. I'm cutting that out. Um, <laughs> the time you graduated, what year did you graduate? 2018. Did you, were you doing your master's or? I had to extend it because of the design design yeah what year did you start estonia 2013 2013 okay so you're two years younger than me mm-hmm. 
and you took a one extra year. So from 2018 to 2019, after you, right after you graduated, did you start looking for work or was there something that made you to apply to the Air Force? The April before I graduated, I got a job offer um, to work for the environmental agency that was minutes from home. So I accepted that one just because, you know, it's a job and I needed a job. I was like, this is good. You know, this works with everything going on with family. Like this is close to home. So I took that one. And then I started work in June. You were a city employee by at that time. DEP, yes. right? DEP? Yes, DEP. So what happened? You didn't like it or what made you do the switch? So I applied for, so my application for the Air Force began September of my last year at Stony. So the application process takes a while because there's like a selection board. So you get selected. So I didn't find out I was selected until I actually started work, June. After you get selected, you have to wait for training. I decided I, I don't want to just wait and do nothing until I go to training. So that's why I took on the job too, so that I have something to do and have income before I left for training. Since it's a government job, do they give you like a, what is that called, military leave or something? And then you still technically employ? So I could have done that if um, I wasn't going active duty. But since I was going active duty, which is full-time military, I could just leave the job and just be okay. If you want to go back eventually, would they, is there a problem or it's a very easy no, process? No, uh, I think it's an easy process. Wow, look at that. Good jobs. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't go back though, but... <laughs> <laughs> I see. Oh, so you applied to the Air Force before you even graduated. So you knew if you get in, that's what you wanted to do. Yeah. Why did you know that so early? Um, a large part of it was that throughout college, I kind of just felt like maybe I wasn't like think really thinking about what I wanted to do with engineering. I was kind of just following that path that everybody was doing, finding an internship, securing a job after college, engineering. So engineering more of like city in the city, residential or like commercial. And I just, I didn't want to be ordinary. Maybe not ordinary, but just following the same path. I wanted to try something different and challenge myself. And in my internships and at the job that I took on after college, I just didn't think I was being challenged. Not so much educate like intellectually, but also um, physically as well. Because I was, I was really into fitness too. I just want to try something different. And because I was so young, my first contract is four years. And I thought, oh, it's only four years of my life. You know, when I come out, I'll still be still in my 20s. Yeah. I didn't think I could do it. That was another thing. I was like, you know what? Let me just, just do it. Just, just go. <laughs> uh, why the Air Force? Is it because your, your brother started there? And so that kind of opened your eyes to it? Yeah, mostly because I have friends in the Army and the Air Force. And after talking to my friends in the Army, who I met in Army ROTC at Stony Brook, that's what I joined. My first organization was Army ROTC. And they said that I would like the Air Force much better. So, and I think it's a lot to do with the culture. Um, there's definitely a big different culture there. And then my brother's in the Air Force and he loves the Air Force and he's telling me all these great things. I know that my brother, like seeing him so happy in the Air Force, you know, it's like, okay, that's, that's where I'm gonna go. I see. And is he, is he still full-time there? What is he doing there? My brother is still active duty. He is a air battle manager. So he was at um, Tinker Air Force Base in Oklahoma for about four four years and now he's on his way to um, Aviano Air Force Base in Italy. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what you wanted to do, right? You wanted to go abroad anywhere, just take you? I really just wanted to have the opportunity to travel for work as well, experience other states, get away from New York because a lot of people that grow up in New York, they, they kind of just stay there. And I think because, because everything is there, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have to go out too far to get what you need. And I felt I was really sheltered there and I just needed to 
Maramat bubble. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. So I know there's like uh, multiple ways of getting into um, being enlisted, right? You could enlist before you go to college or something and just work your way to mm-hmm. the bottom up. Or you could get your bachelor's degrees like you did, eventually become a lieutenant. Yes. Did the first option ever came across your mind or you just, no? Okay. No. <laughs> you just want to just jump straight to the next step. Yeah, definitely uh, officer route. And I remember hearing from another podcast was like, within the ranks or something within their people kind of judge each other like hey have you ever served have you ever been on um actual deployment or what how you started did you ever felt like a little i guess discrimination or people look at you differently depends on the route you took there's a lot of stereotypes with the new officers and a lot of that is because we um depending on your route if you were ROTC you were you're still in college doing four years of military and then coming out as a lieutenant you still haven't really had experience with the enlisted members, like working at a base. So you may not really know the culture there either and where your position stands. And with officer training school, which is where I went, we just go to nine weeks of training in Alabama. So we're, they call us, you know, picked off the street and just go to training. Or well, I didn't have as much military experience either. Coming in as a lieutenant, you're, you're an officer, so you outrank the enlisted, even the highest ranking enlisted. But your experience and your knowledge is so much lower than theirs, but you have, you know, the rank, the name and the rank power. There's always understanding where you stand and finding the enlisted mentor to help you become a good leader. Uh, a lot of the bros or engineers, right, they graduate, they go into civil jobs or construction related companies. And then these people, they never spend a day in the field. And then you have all these labor electricians in the field that they basically know so much more. They could do your job, their job 10 times better, yeah. but you have to go in and pretend you know everything. Mm. kind of tell them what you want them to do <laughs> but in fact yep. you know way more than you i guess it's like that yep yep exactly, so guess, exactly yeah so like you have that. to learn to be friends with them right yeah you have to yeah they you have to they're your mentors well, a lot of lieutenants like some of them come out with a big head like oh i'm i outrank you i'm bigger than you you listen to me but it's like no you don't know anything sit down <laughs> first training was the nine weeks you spent in alabama right yep okay what was that like um so those those, that's the hardest training because that's how you get into the Air Force. If you fail it, you know, you're out. You don't get to the Air Force. Um, the first two weeks were pretty rough because I don't know why I was under the impression that I was going to like a school training. Mm. And I didn't realize, you know, military training is very different. You know, you have um, military instructors yelling at you, you know, telling you to do this, do that, do that. And all you really have to do is just listen and not anyone, you know, with the instructions they're giving you. Um, so the first two weeks, and then it was cold and raining, and then I didn't have the right uniform. <laughs> so the first two weeks were kind of rough, but then the people there were so amazing. Like they just, they don't even know me, but they make, they want to make sure that I make it the whole way. People there like really made me like push me. Yeah. It's a lot of, there's a lot of education work where they teach you about the military, teach you about their customs and courtesies, um, oaths, but the they don't really, there's not a lot of learning about the culture, really, because I guess, I don't know, maybe around the curriculum. Um, and everyone there is not only people who have no military experience. There's a lot of prior enlisted people who decided that they want to switch to an officer. They might have served maybe like 10 years in the Air Force and decided, I want to be an officer now. So they get their bachelor's degree and then they can 
come to this training. So I was lucky in my entire, um, we called it a flight, which is a group of maybe about like 16 people. That's like groups, just so they put us in flights. So my flight had 16 people and 12 of them were prior enlisted. Like years and years of knowledge and wealth to just kind of like attack them with questions and everything. And they kind of took me on as their kid. Everyone does this kind of hot seat where they kind of like critique you a lot. And this one guy was like, you know, I'm not your dad. And this is weird. I'm so proud of you. And that <laughs> like forever. Because every time I do something good, I just think of that. And I'm just like, oh, he was looking out for me. That's so nice. Yeah. So it's more like, a, I guess it's like a, a process to get you through. It's not so much hazing, like what people see elsewhere. <laughs> no, there is, there's a lot of leadership courses there too. Okay. That's what they're, they're building us to be leaders i watched forrest gums many years ago and i started watching the some of the old clips again and just watched like the clip of him in the military where like the guy yelling at him and he just does exactly what the the person said and then he, he does so well is it like that you just have to just do what they say 100 percent. yep because they're just gonna keep yelling and then if you break faith they yell even more so you just have to yep no smiling no scratching your nose don't move <laughs> What, what's the face you, people will break? Is it smile or like cry? <laughs> Mostly smile because okay. no, everything is there for show. It's like, oh, they're only doing this just to build you up. Make okay. you suffer, build you up. The fraternity process. If, if, that's, if that's a five level five difficulty, what level is your, your training? It's like, like it's 20, 50. <laughs> really? Something that's stake. I'm trying to join the military. Really? Wow. Yeah. Because at any moment, tense. you could get kicked out, and that was pretty scary. Yeah, I guess during the <laughs> the pledging process, like they, they would uh, intimidate you, but you know you'll be all right most yeah. of the time. More of the fear of getting kicked out, not so much the, the difficulty of the physical training. I would say it depends on the person, too. For me, it's because never been in an environment like that the training was much harder there are a lot of people there that prior enlisted they've already gone through training like that when they first mm -hmm. the air force so this was kind of just like a, another thing they had to do what was one of the hardest i guess exercise you had to do during the night weeks <laughs> so we have to earn our wings kind of so it's like a six mile run and so we did a heritage run around the base where we stopped at a bunch of like monuments or like uh, scripture, like some writing on this thing or like an aircraft. And then the instructors would kind of give us a history lesson. And at each station, we would do like some kind of physical thing, like burpees or, you know, sprint sprints back and forth. And then we'll keep running because I'm not a long distance runner nor a fast runner either. <laughs> it's like trying to hard to keep up with everybody's pace. And I'm also short. So then my <laughs> not going as fast. So then eventually they put me at the front so that I would set the pace for the group. Yeah, but I didn't, you know, run fast either because, you know, we're not on a time. We're not like getting timed. So I just like kind of ran like a pace that I knew that I could make it. And I could hear, you know, the tall guys in the back going like, I'm not even running. I'm like speed walking <laughs> for them to like move their legs because everyone's so close together. I, but once I finished that, I was just like, wow, because a lot of my flight members, they knew that I wasn't like a runner. So they were like, damn, Holly, like you did it. Like it's, it's all mental. It's all mental. Just like pushing yourself to make it. So. Okay. So you answer the next question is mostly it's mental, not so much physical. I mean, physical, but a lot more mental. <laughs> a lot more mental. Just curious. How do those people feel about like the, the current situation with like taking down statues? Cause you say you guys run to statues, have a history lesson. You know, now people are taking the statues down. How do they feel about it? Do they have an opinion? Um, I have not talked to anyone about <laughs> 
statues being taken down. I don't know if those statues would be taken down. Okay. I mean, nothing is safe nowadays. You never know. <laughs> is, your, is your light going off? Uh, no, there's just no light. I just never had a light on. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> I was like, how oh, is it my, my computer? <laughs> I just got dark. I see. So that is the first nine weeks. And then afterwards, you get put in your first duty station base. So that's when, after the training, that's when you're actually using what you learn and start working. So no one teaches anything about our job. When we're at training, we put, um, we have a dream sheet where we list the bases that we want to go to. So I put all of mine overseas and maybe like a few like in Cali, Arizona, Washington State. But I got Seymour Johnson in North Carolina, which is um, not terrible. It's a, it's a nice base, a fighter, fighter wing. So home of the F-15 fighter jets. Yeah. So I graduated in the morning and I had to fly to the base the same day. So no break or to work the next day. Dumb question. What's the difference between this and a deployment elsewhere? So deployment, well, they're only, deployments will be overseas and they'll be in, I guess you could say remote. Okay. Sometimes it's not always a nice place. The Air Force bases are always, Air Force bases are stateside and then air bases are overseas. A deployment is usually four months or six months. Usually you go to those to um, achieve a different mission. The country you're in is like, might not always be a nice place. <laughs> that, they need you to be there. There are allies, but surrounding them might not be a nice, might, not be, might not be nice. And then it's like Monday to Friday or six days a week, you have to do what you have to do. And it's like a day off kind of thing. Right now? Once you get deployed. Um, it depends on what they decide. It could be seven days a week that you work. You could be doing... Um, 12-hour shifts. There might be three different shifts and then you switch off um, because some of the some of the bases are more developed than others. Others could just be bare bases, which means there's nothing there. They're building an air base there. Other places have been there for many, many years. So they already have like maybe Starbucks or like housing. So actual like places to stay in. Oh, fuck was I going to say? Ah, what do you call it? Damn, what the heck? Ah. Uh... <laughs> Okay, you know how many push-ups can you do? How many push-ups? <laughs> how many push-ups did you have to do? Um, so for females, there's a range. The minimum you can do in a minute is 18, and to get a perfect score, you have to do uh, 43 minute. That's our. That's part of our fitness test. So my last test, I did 43 in a minute. Wow. Yeah, that took wow. some practice. <laughs> okay. So, Muscle memory. So they do have a a different standard for male and female in the military. I think mm-hmm. you do need that, but I think I know. I also think that you do need females and you know different types of people in the military. What was your experience like being a female in that in that situation? Um, so there's also the age group too. Right. Standards if you're like 18 to 29, and then 30 to 39. I mean, I I can pass my fitness test, which is good for me. Um, I don't think maybe 18 is a bit low, but I think you can always like, like the fitness test is not meant to you're not they're not meant to like harm you like, okay. they don't want you to fail it so they're not going to make it like insanely hard and it's really just push-ups sit-ups and a one and a half mile run and all of that the purpose of it is that they want you to be able to do this any morning any day you should be able to do this fitness test and be fine really just incorporate push-ups sit-ups and just running in your workouts which is not hard yeah and I guess, did you face any uh, discrimination because of your age or being a woman there? No, not really. 
But okay. with guys, you re- I realized that their running time is much more serious than ours. Mm. They have like, their standards are very, like when I think of it, I cannot run that time. <laughs> mm. I'm like, wow, like the guys really have to run. In this <laughs> and they have to do like a lot of pushups too and a little, way more sit-ups. So but when I think of it, like maybe I can do that. Maybe I could. I <laughs> hard. But honestly, like, because there was like a presentation at training where a guy compared the female um, anatomy and the guy anatomy. And it was like something with our hips. Like there's like a reason why that we can't, we won't be as, I want to say athletic, more like uh, physique, physique wise, like right. not as up with the males. So you can't say stuff outside of where you are because it's very <laughs> <Yes>. politically incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> Something as obvious as that. I'm not saying one is better than the other. I'm just, you know, mm-hmm. pointing out the obvious. But you know, you gotta be careful of the stuff you say nowadays. Even that yeah. kind of stuff. <laughs> I remember at work, there's like a friend. He's in military. He was uh, he was working full time. Well, he was overseas. He came back and he got called to do it again, to go <laughs> overseas again. Or else, if he wasn't called, he would have to go in. I guess every month or something, every uh-huh. few months. So how many more of these? deployments or how many more of how much more time do you have to serve so deployments for us is um two to one ratio so you go away for six months and you come back home and you won't be able to deploy for another year and that's kind of how they let us rest and stay in the states my ne- my upcoming one after six months i will be home for a year then until the next one but then again there's always uh, we call it um i guess taskings which kind of like droppings of like deployments where oh this one dropped you got to go. And then outside of that, we also have um, TDYs, temporary duty. So for those, it's kind of like trainings for a few months. I was in Ohio last fall for training. And then, yeah, that was my only TDY for now. Another deployment could come within those four years. There could be a total of two deployments. Um, But what I want to do is go on a short tour, which is a year, a year deployment in overseas. The reason you want to go overseas, like you said, is to travel and just to see the world, right? Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Interesting. What's the long-term goal from all this? I definitely want to stay in the military. Okay. The culture is very different and I, I like it. I like that it's different. I like the people that are in the military. Um, I like the mission and the goals. And with all organizations, not everything is perfect. So there are things that I want to fix as well. Or what I can do in my with my little power, what I you know help change. And even if I can't stay, you know, the 20 years active duty, I do want to stay in reserves as well. Okay. I do want to keep military in my my life. So it wasn't, it's not like, oh, four years done, you want to go back at an engineering job and call it a day. You want to just stay with it mm-hmm. as long as you can. That's very cool. I could tell you, you're doing it for, because you, you want to do it. Yeah. Now that I've like seen and like been in it for about a little over a year now, I'm glad I decided to join. <laughs> okay. And we're recording this on July 5th. What was July 4th there? Um, it was good. So North Carolina, we're really cl- close to the coast. There are a lot of beautiful beaches, um, a lot of fishing. And I had a great fishing weekend because I caught like a two-foot redfish. Yeah. When I was reeling it in, I was like, oh, my God, this is heavy. I'm scared. Like, and then I saw it in the water, and it was so big. And I was like, wow, like, huh, these are things wow. that – think i would have done in, the, in new york city so for real yeah and then here you can buy fireworks and you can um do it yourself but i just kind of watch the fireworks from the beach 
Oh no, we do we do fireworks here. It's been nonstop. It's kind of <laughs> on every block. <laughs> <laughs> After like half an hour, it's I think it's enough. <laughs> yeah. That's when yeah. I go home. <laughs> that was nice. So you're obviously very ballsy. First, you <laughs> you go with engineering, a male-dominated industry, mm-hmm. and then you decide to go into military, and you're still doing engineering at uh at the Air Force, right? Engineering at the Air Force. Mm-hmm. So uh, my job is project programming, and a lot of it is just figuring out where the funding is for all these projects on base, um, and then creating funding packages for them to compete for like big Air Force money, in like projects that are in the millions. That's kind of my job to just like you know create like a project scope justification for why this project needs to be done, look up the history, and then yeah. Customers will come to us for projects that they want to happen, and then we'll be like, "Oh, okay, well, we could do it." Like our um, enlisted um, airmen can do it if it's like a small job. But if it's too big for them, then that's when we like, "All right, we gotta help you create a funding package." That makes a lot of sense. I I could see why they need um, people with college degrees or outside work experience to come in and do all these things, because it's pretty much like a a government business or whatever government. Yeah. yeah, that you have to. You need people of all backgrounds to handle. So something I don't know if people might realize is that uh, we also work with a lot of civilians. So it's not always uh, military members there. And especially with CE, you want to have that continuity with people who like know the buildings. They know like the history of these buildings. The civilians that we work with, that's been there for like 10, 20 years. And then for us, because we come and go every four years, you know, we can only retain and help as much in those few years. It's like you need a... It's like a museum or a library. You need someone to just hold cards there <laughs> for as long as possible. Yes. <laughs> I have just a few random questions. I don't know if you listen to the other podcasts. It's similar. The first question is, do you think people are inherently good? Yes. <laughs> Why? I always think I always think positive of everyone. And it might be a bad thing too. I give everyone the benefit of the doubt that, you know what? You're a good person. Hmm. Bad judgment right now. Or um, you just had a bad influence growing up or something. Somebody influenced in the wrong way. But you, I know you're a good person. <laughs> That's very nice. That's very nice. So even if you know they're bad, you still give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, too, I'm too nice and good for a person to like put them in a, in a bad pot anyway. Mm-hmm. What's a favorite place you like to visit? Since before I always ask what's a favorite neighborhood you like in New York City, but since you're going all over the world, what's what's a favorite place you like to visit? So my favorite place is Washington State. Um, I first went there last summer or two summers ago, and I did a 10-day hiking trip, Washington to Oregon, and the mountains there are beautiful. Like I could, that's where I want to live, like mm. Washington, Seattle, near Seattle, because it's just near the mountains, and I just love the mountains. Uh, what's something that makes you roll your eyes when you hear it? What? I don't remember. Was the last time something annoyed me? Oh, like vegetarian jokes or something. Oh, right. You're, oh, yeah. right. Yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, I, a lot of those back then. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like something be like, oh, because she doesn't eat meat. It's like, oh, here we go again. Something uh, eat. <laughs> do they cater to you well there with your diet? Yeah, there's, there's, Vegetarian options, yeah. And then, it, it, well, the last barbecue we did as like a, with everyone in the office, I brought my own veggie burgers. Oh, so, wow. Easy for me. I bring what I want. <laughs> yeah, if you say so. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. What's the most difficult thing you have accomplished so far? Most difficult to you? 
I would probably say it was my nine-week training in Alabama because that's where I really um, grew from mm. this small New York City girl to someone who's going to go and go on missions. <laughs> so, and even when I was there, just the people who were there that helped me grow and then accomplish, like finishing and graduating that training, something I never thought I'd be able to do. Mm. And then the physical, the mental, like, like everything was a challenge for me. And then being away from home, that was a challenge, especially like my brother's also away from home. So it's just my parents at home. So, and like one, uh, one experience at training that is going to stay with me for like my entire life was um, we have to pass two fitness tests. And the first one is in the beginning of training and the last, and the second one is the end of training. So the end of training was really, really hot in Alabama. And during the run, like I was like, I was just ready to be like, just, just, just give up, just I don't want to do it. I can't do it. Like, you know, mentally and physically, I just couldn't push myself anymore. And then like near the finish line, like I see like one of my flight members, you know, she's jogging in place and she's waiting for me. So she's waited for me. And then she paced me the rest of the way. And like, I will never forget that because if she didn't do that for me, like if I didn't see like a battle buddy, you know, up there, I probably would have just, just like stopped and just like walked or something. So whenever I think of that, I think of like, Oh, I can do anything, um, you know, yes, everything's a challenge, but if I just put my mind to it, like I can always succeed. Mm-hmm. So that was, so that's why I think of that training as like my hardest, my biggest. Mm, I see. It's paid off. And I remember seeing the, your first Instagram post of you graduating <laughs> or getting a medal. And like every other month you're getting some, like a new post of doing some <laughs> crazy stuff. So you just keep it going. Mm-hmm. And I like what you said, you know, if you believe it, put your mind to it, you will do it. Yeah. I'm sure you'll do a lot more greater things from here on. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any hidden talents? I mean, I, I play the guitar and, and violin and I sing. I sang the national anthem at one of my oh, grades. Wow. <laughs> it's good, but they needed, they wanted a student to sing it because it was tradition. No one else wanted to mess up the anthem. I don't want to mess up the anthem, but I was like, oh, I, I volunteer. <laughs> That's very cool. Is it on Instagram or something? Now everyone's at attention, so no one's recording or anything. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, paying, doing our respect to the anthem. Well, at least everybody saw it. That's all that matters. If you can retire tomorrow, what will you be doing? If I could retire tomorrow, oh, I'd probably just travel the world, go hiking, back, backpacking. I, I do want to do some writing. Um, I'm thinking about getting a master's in writing. Mm, what kind of writing? Um biographies maybe some creative fiction in there okay have you been doing like some like readings that inspire you to do it growing up like i read like a lot i read a mm. lot of books and i used and one of my favorite genres is poetry so i love poetry i used to do a little songwriting when i was younger nothing really you know it's a lot of like teenage like you know oh i love everyone oh, he doesn't love me things like that but i just like like writing so i want to try <laughs> try it out you know, be in the environment of like other writers and try and get like inspired by them, like figure out why they're writing. Um, so yeah, it's just something I want to try. A little different from engineering, which is very you know, one black and white maybe. Mm, yeah, that's very cool. That's all the questions I have. Thanks for doing this. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> also, I want to get your opinion. This path that you took, would you recommend it for other people? What, who would you recommend it to? So it's funny because the Stony Brook like motto or whatever, they were going like go far beyond. And I was trying to teach uh, some of the younger students, you know, think 
think outside of the path that everyone's kind of setting for you. Because in this like society, everyone's always saying like, you have to go to college to succeed. Mm-hmm. So it's always like, you know, focusing so much on college and like one path, you know, and it's not always, it's not always like that. You can always succeed in other ways. And especially with engineering, where it's kind of just, you know, one path of, you know, just working for an engineering firm. Yes, you can work and do engineering, but think of all the other scenarios that you could be in. Yes, there's in military engineering. Yeah, we have like a base where you do the same things, you know, electric work, HVAC, you know, like we're going to be building buildings over here and there. But there's that different environment that you're in. You're in a military installation. So if you want to like open your mind to broader engineering applications, then yeah, I would recommend the military because it's different. Mm-hmm. And when you deploy, that's where like, it's really different. Mm. And if you want to see like cool stuff, you want to like, you know, be in this organization that everyone's, you know, sharing the same mission and same goals. And it's like one big family, you know, it's very, it's different than the public and private sectors. Right. Yeah. And those relationships will last you a whole lifetime, I'm sure. Yeah. 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 And that reminds me a lot of um, like these girls, they want to travel the world. You know, every, it's every girl's dream to get a job that they could travel the world. And so a lot of them become those, uh, what's that called when they, the airplane? Um, oh, flight attendants. Flight attendants. A lot of them become flight attendants. And it's such a tough job. It's tough on you mentally, physically, your sleep. Oh, so yeah. I feel like this is such a great substitute if it's, you know, if it works for them. You know, builds character, builds strength mentally, physically. It's just a, such a great option for someone who wants to do that. So yeah. very cool. Good for you. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we're for our country. Yes, what? yes. Most what important thing. <laughs> yeah, we need that. We need that more than ever. <laughs> yep. So thank you. Thanks for doing this. And then of course. we'll talk again. Bye. And there you have it, folks. Another insightful conversation and very eye-opening speaking with Holly. She went far and beyond and chose a path that most of us wouldn't even think of. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Peace.